right. Can you hear me, Oscar? We good? Okay. All right, so like I said, this is the first time speaking to an adult class, so, you know, I'm a little nervous. So if I, we might end early. I know y'all would be very upset about that, um, but. Okay. <laughs> All right, so tonight we're going to be talking about when trials come. <clears throat> and our pe- main passage is going to be James 1. So just flip over where the bookmark was for other class times. Not st- not going very far. James 1, when trials come, and our main verses are going to be 1 through 8 and then 12 through 15. But we are going to read the whole, the whole passage just so we understand the whole passage. Um, so when trials come... And I was, I was preparing this lesson. I've taught this s- sermon before in the teen class. So I was like, okay, I'm teaching adults. I've got to step it up a notch intellectually. You know, usually teens can kind of... <laughs> if you ask me a question, they just nod. And it's like, no, I need an answer. Um, right, yeah. So Jerry, can keep, you can keep that role going for me. That would make me feel right at home. Um, Michael, thank you very much. Uh, so I was sitting, and I was, I was studying this. And I was like, okay, I've got this before. i got kind of the bones of it. How can I kind of ramp this up a little bit? So as I was going and studying it again, I came up with the seven B's of James 1. The seven B's of James 1. So tonight, we're going to look at each B, and it's B and then a word, and then we're going to talk about it, study it, discuss, and what it might look like, and the best way we can act on these, these attitudes, if you will. <clears throat> so, the Christian life is not easy. Um, most people think, might think, oh, well, I'm a Christian now. God, God's on my side. Well, pfft, everything's going to be smooth. No, it's not. Um, I, I can gratefully say I haven't had many hard trials in my life. I've had plenty of trials and things that are not comfortable or not fun, but I've never been, I've not necessarily lost someone super close to me. Um, I've never had to deal with that, and I, I'm grateful for that. And I understand you know, people do deal with things like that all the time, and it, it is not not easy. So, Christian life is not easy, but it's not always hard. You know, there's there's a lot of good things about the Christian life. You know, what's the best thing about the Christian life? Some... That's right, Jesus Christ. Any other best things that you would say about the Christian life, being a Christian? Fellowship with other Christians, having peace, good. Going to church, being, like you said, in that group. I think Pastor Janie, I think you discussed it this morning, being in that group with those people. Fellowship, yes. Keeps you out of trouble, yes. Um, I, I, need, I need help with that. But something I think of is that relationship with Christ. When you're unsaved, you can't have that relationship. Now you're saved, you can have that close relationship. God wants that. Not that you can have it, God wants it. And to me, that's just amazing. It just leaves me in awe, like, how could he want a relationship with me? Anyway, you know, something Christians don't usually realize or recognize or lose sight of during a trial is trials are for good. You know, whatever the trial is, it's for good. It's it's not meant to be like, oh, we're just going to keep pounding you down. No, it's it's to grow you. It's to strengthen you. 
God does not allow us to experience trials for no apparent reason. There's not, we're not going to be in a trial and be like, I don't even know what's going on. And then come out of the trial and be like, what was that even for? Like, God's not going to just leave you hanging. He's going to make it evident. He's going to make it clear. There is a purpose for everything. Romans 8, 28. I'm sure everybody can quote it. Uh, it says, and we all know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So, all things work together for good to them that love him. So, like I said, we'll be in James 1 tonight, mainly verses 1 through 8 and then verses 12 through 15, but we're going to read the whole passage. Um, When we're faced with difficult times, I feel like this is a great passage we can come to it's one of the most encouraging, you know, when you fall into diverse temptations, count it all joy. What, what, whose who's first reaction is when they're in the trial or a temptation to say, wow, this is great? No, the first reaction is just, man, this, this stinks. This is so uncomfortable. This is so inconvenient. Taylor and I were talking all the way here. How often do we just, a minor inconvenience comes up and we just get so angry, like, we question God, what are you doing? Like, why, why am I a part of, like, why is this going on? But then there are other people who have dealt with way more. And I'll, I'll speak of, talk about somebody later. Two people, one in the Bible and then one I know personally, or people that I know personally. And we, we could become angry with God, but count it joy. Be joyful. Um, so we will be talking about trials and how, we can be joyful when we're faced with hard times. How when we're tested, we can grow. How we must be patient during trials. If we lack wisdom or anything, just ask. Just ask God. He'll, he'll give it to us. You must ask in full faith. That's a big one. Full faith. Not just in faith. Full faith. It cannot be half-heartedly. If you're just like, you know, God, you know, I'd really appreciate it if you helped me out here. He's probably not going to grant the the request if you're saying god you've got this there's nothing i can do this is all on you i'm i'm just a weak human being there's nothing i can do then i feel like god will grant that request more because you are completely putting your faith in him and then we have to be sober to the fact that some trials may be self-induced and i'll explain that a little bit i'll explain a little bit now Self-induced, you know, when you are living in sin, you, God will use circumstances, trials, to try to bring you back to him. But if you just keep, continue, 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 your trials are going to keep going on. There may be times where it's easy going, and your, your life's good, everything's flowing, but man, when it starts crumbling, it's going to fall fast and hard, and you're going to get below rock bottom. So that can be self-induced. All right, so let's read James 1, and then we'll, we'll get into the outline. So very, very familiar passage, so I'm, I'm sure I'm just, don't fall asleep on me. You know, try to, try to stay focused. So chapter 1, verse 1, James, a servant of God and, the Lord, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, 
and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived it, conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind, a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man work, worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able, which is able to ser- save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Just stay with me. Everybody awake? Good. Okay. So, the first B of James chapter 1. Be joyful. Be joyful. Pretty simple. It's right there in verse 2. James, a servant of God and and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, and he gets right into it. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And temptations is not necessarily... Satan coming along and saying, ooh, you should do this. It's, it's a trial. It, and I, I would say trials can be temptations to get angry at God. You are tempted. You know, you, you feel that, ugh, why is God making me go through this? So be joyful in that time. It's pretty simple. When you are tested, when you are stretched, you grow during and after trials. There have been many trials that I've been in, in, involved in and I will grow during the trial. And then that doesn't mean the trial's over. It's still going on. But that just means afterwards I grow even more because I see it. That makes sense. Now I know I was involved in that. that now I know why that why that's, was happening. So count it all joy because it is working together for good. It's going to grow you. You're not just in a pointless trial where it's just, oh, this hurts. 
No, th- there's a point to it. It's not just an endless, mindless thing. There's a reason for it. Because you would, you would be tested, and when you're tested, you're stretched. You, you, you grow during those times. It's not. No, exactly. It's not easy. It's, and it's easy to be like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. I hate this. But when you have that mentality, that just makes the trial even worse. It, it just makes it even worse. You, you have to have that joyful, you know what? Yes, this is uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. But God's got a plan. And it's as simple as that. And I know that it's way easier to say than it is to do. I know it. Because how often do we just, I, I could go home tonight and be like, oh, the dogs are all wet. Oh, what an inconvenience. Like, it, that's a small thing, but, it, you know, it's, it's as simple as that. It's like, you know, when a bodybuilder, he's lifting weights. What happens to his muscles? They get ripped. Like, all that stuff gets ripped down. But what happens over time? They grow. The muscles get bigger. It's, uh, it's uncomfortable. I, I Believe it or not, I used to lift weights. Um, <laughs> but it, it's uncomfortable. It doesn't, you, you wake up the next morning, you're like, Ugh. I can't, you can't reach anything, but it works. You grow. All right, so that's B number one. B number two, be patient. Verses three and four. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So in this, if you are patient, say, Lord, you've got a plan. I'm just going to keep doing what I need to do, what I know is right, and I'm going to let I'm going to let you have let you work here. That is the patience you need to have, and in be, in in being tested, your patience will grow over time. I I sometimes I'm a pretty patient person. Sometimes I'm not. It just depends on the situation. Depends on the day. And I know that's how a lot of us are. You know, if we're in a bad mood, how how patient do you think we are? Not. We can lose it on anybody in a split second. But if we've had a pretty good day, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty patient. Yeah. Dogs jump on me with muddy, got a white shirt on, muddy paws or whatever. It's like, okay, cool. I'll just throw it in the washer. But if I had a bad day, oh, man. <laughs> Those dogs better watch out. Um, Psalm 27, the passage I have down here. Let me get to it real quick. Psalm 27 14, verse 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. And how powerful a verse right there. Just wait. Now, that doesn't mean just be like, okay, I'm just going to stand here and wait. No, you have to, the Lord directs active feet, moving feet. If you are just going along and you say, well, you know, I'm giving a trial, so I'm just going to wait here, Lord. Let me know when it's over. It's going to be a while. Wait on the Lord. Do what you know to do is right. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And then James 5 says, verse 7 and 8, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. You know, it's just, be patient. The Lord is coming. Wait for the, the day of the Lord. And then he, he tells a story, or kind of gives the example of a husbandman, a farmer. You know, behold, the husbandman waited for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until re- he received the early and latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Be patient. If a farmer 
rushed everything, and it's like, okay, where's, where's my fruit? Where's my fruit? Where's my fruit? He gets a fruit that's this big, and he's like, oh, that's good. That's good. Pull it, pull it, pull it, pull it. It's not going to be worth anything. You have to be patient. You have to be patient. Patience, again, one of those things, it's hit or miss sometimes than how your day, but if you can understand, grant grace, and be patient in, in these trials, the Lord will bless you. God will show you his plan, but you must be patient. God will show you the reasoning for his trial. Just wait. We may not understand, we may not, may, we may not know what's going on, but God does. And that's all we need to know. He planned it. God is not surprised by anything. <clears throat> and that's something that we can take and rest in. Nothing surprises God. And that's something kind of off topic a little bit. That's something that's always just, just, it's one of those things we will never understand as human beings. You know, we have, we have free will and all that stuff, and I don't want to get too thick into the weeds, but God has everything planned, but yet things can change. He, he gives you the desires of your heart, and, but he also know, he knew that was going to happen. It's not going to take him by surprise. It's just, Pastor Danny's going to be the man to answer that question. I, I just, it doesn't make sense to me how God can have everything planned, but still things can change. It's just, it's amazing. And only God, that's all I can say, only God. So, be joyful, be patient, and then be diligent. Verse 5. <clears throat> if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. So, be diligent in the sense of if you if you're lacking something seek it out find it don't just be like man i really wish i had this and just be like hopefully it appears no if you're working on a project and you need say some screws and you don't have any at your house what are you going to do you're going to go to the hardware store and get some screws but if you're working on the project and you, you you need screws and you're just like wow well oh well maybe another day no, you're going to be diligent. You're going to get the job done. You're not going to waste your time. Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It says it right there. If if you're without faith, it is impossible to please God. Or, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God, see, we must, we must take ourselves, bring our presence to God, and say, I need this. But you have to believe that he is. You can't just be like, oh, well, God, I need this. And hopefully he gives it to me. You have to believe that he is. He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He will bless you if you are diligently, every day, taking the time to seek him. He will bless you. If you ask, if you lack wisdom during a trial, just just ask. God will give you the wisdom you need. Seek God. That's one thing that I think I I know I fall short of every day. I don't seek God enough. You know, Taylor can tell you. <laughs> There's a lot of times where um, I, I just I, I I can tell. I can always tell when I have not seek sought after God enough. You know, my, my attitude stinks. My outlook is poor. I don't have a good attitude. I, I, it's just all these things that are negative in my life start creeping in. 
But when I'm seeking God diligently, not just seeking, diligently seeking him, seeking out his presence, things kind of open up a little bit. I'm more positive. You know, I have a better outlook, a positive outlook. I'm nicer. I don't get angry as fast. You know, stuff like that. So if you are diligent, God will bless you. So, Proverbs 4.23 also says... There, this is that I did. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So again, if you are not seeking after God, if you are allowing other things to creep in, what is the first thing affected by it? Your heart. Your heart is affected the most, and your heart is deceitful. And I'll, I'll I'll cover that a little bit later. Your heart is deceitful. Your flesh. You know, keep your heart with all diligence. Seek God. Keep it. Keep it safe. Keep it pure. For out, um, for out of it are the issues of life. People will start to notice if, if you're not seeking God. They'll pick up on it. I've been there. Uh, when I lived at Southland Christian Camp, I, I lived there for <clears throat> four or five years. And the, the guys there, the administrative staff, they they could pick up on that stuff pretty quickly. They'd just be like, hey, how's your devotions? I'm like, uh, uh, well, um, they're like, Okay, let's talk. And they'd sit, they'd, they cared. They'd sit down and they'd say, let's figure out a plan, something that you can follow to do your daily devotions. So, keep your heart with all diligence. So, be joyful, be patient, and be diligent. And then, fourthly, be faithful. Verses 6, 6 through 8. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Don't, don't let your faith be wavering. Ask with full faith. Don't be, all right, well, here goes. Um, no, just be like, okay, I know what I need to do. I'm going to ask in full faith. And if God wants to give it to me, he's going to give it to me. If he doesn't want to give it to me, he's not going to give it to me. That, that's how sim- that's as, as simple as it is. Know when you ask, have it in your heart that I'm going to ask in full faith. And if God wants this for me, if this is the best for me, it's going to happen. It's gonna be. It's gonna happen. Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven from the wind and tossed. So picture, picture, you know, a, a, a wave. It's just all over the place, just all over the place, tossing everything. It's just like I don't know. Maybe I'm gonna go over here. I'm gonna go over here. No, it's all. It it doesn't know what it's doing. It's just going because that's what the. The rotation of the earth, it, it, it's just its just falling, whatever. It's super inconsistent. Inconsistent, not inconsistent. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was homeschooled, sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry, Mom, you did a great job. Uh, <laughs> she's watching, so. Um, but, <laughs> thanks, Oscar. Now I'm even more nervous. Oh, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> did she, she, she get on to me over over there? Oh, no. <laughs> I'll see it later. Um, anyway, it's it's like a wave. It, it's just almost you you can't al- you can you can't really guess what it's going to do next. I mean, if there's like a tsunami, you can kind of guess what it's going to do. You know, it's, it's coming, it's going, and it's nothing that's going to stop it. But you just think of a typical wave; it's just going everywhere. Anyway, you cannot be like that. You have to be steadfast. 
Verse 7, for let not the man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So if you are like this, <laughs> good luck. You're not going to receive anything. God's not going to bless you. He's not going to be like, oh, yeah, okay. You're really in- inconsistent, and you don't really have faith. So here you go. No, he, he wants you to believe in him. <clears throat> Think of it as like your kids. I don't have a kid yet, but I can say my wife. If somebody was to break into my house, I want her to believe that no matter what happens, she's going to be okay with your child. No matter what happens, you want that kid to know, mom, dad's got my back, no matter what happens. You want them to have full faith in you. If you're standing there and you do your trust fall, has anybody done a trust fall? I've done a trust fall. It's not fun. Um, I say my my faith was wavering. Um, <laughs> but if your your kid is standing in front of you and they're 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 gonna fall, they have faith in that you're gonna catch them, as they should. You're their parent. You need to you need to have that them to have that faith in you. So, if you have the unwavering or the the wavering faith, forget it. The Lord's not you're not going to receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So not only are you just not going to get anything from the Lord, you're going to be unstable in everything. You know, if you're constantly second-guessing everything, everything is just going to be, oh, I don't know, what are we going to do about this? You're just going to be back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. And what kind of life is that? That's miserable. If you're constantly, okay, I know this is what I'm going to do. You have, you're focused on this, and you're like, oh, well, maybe we should go over here. I don't know. It's just, that's so miserable. And if you are doing that all your life, that's a miserable way to live. So, be, jump down on me. Be faithful. Ephesians six sixteen says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So, don't waver. Don't be wishy-washy. Stand firm. Stand strong. And then the reason I use this verse, think of a shield. Why did they carry shields back in those times? Protection. They had faith that it was going to protect them. Now, sometimes shields would fail, but that wasn't common. You know, when you think of a shield, you're going to grab it and you're going to say, this is going to protect me. It can withstand most attacks unless just something way stronger hits it. Be like a shield. Take that shield. Have faith. You know, have faith. These soldiers had faith that this shield is going to withstand everything I need to withstand. Be like that shield. Stand strong. Stay firm. So, be joyful. Be patient. Be diligent. Be determined. Oh, be determined is next. Getting ahead of myself. Be determined, verse 12. So, like I said, we're going to go 1 to 8 and then 12 to 15. So, verse 12, jump down. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he, re- he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So, again, temptation can be likened to trials. Temp- temptations and trials are kind of... I would say interchangeable in this in this passage. Blessed is the man that endureth trials, for when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So if you endure this trial, you stick it out, you believe in God, 
God will bless you, and he will give you the crown of life. Endure temptations and trials. God will reward those that endure the trying or test. Um, 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, Walking about, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So, you have to be determined, because if you're not determined, the devil can sweep right in and tear you down easily. So you have to be determined. He's trying to take you down. Press on and stay strong. So, now we're going to talk about the one person in the Bible that I was referenced earlier, Job. That I... I could, this is probably the easiest person to just talk about when it comes to trials and temptations. Uh, I mean, look at, look at his look at his life. Um, Job one. Um, we're gonna read read that, and we'll we'll be here for a little while. I might skip some of these verses. Um, so. Everybody knows, beginning of chapter 1, God allows Satan to test Job. And, you know, Job has all these material things. He's got a big family, loves his family, super close to God, has all these things, and Satan tests him. How does he test him? What are the trials that he goes through? Takes all of that away, like that. And um, verse verse 20, so we'll, I, I won't read the whole passage. So verse 20, after he's been told all, this, all these terrible things, all your livestock's gone, people came and stole them, they're gone. Oh, your family, they were all in one house having this big feast. A wind came in, knocked out the four corners of the house, they're dead. You have nothing. You went from having all this stuff to nothing. You're a nobody, basically. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. What was that last word there? Worshipped. That, that to me speaks volumes. He didn't get down on his face and just say, Oh, Woe is me. He worshipped. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor changed God fool- charged God foolishly. What a testimony. Everything gone. But he felt he... He lamented. He gets up, and he's he, he's obviously torn about this. Who wouldn't be? But he gets down, and he worships. He doesn't say, oh, my goodness, oh, my life is terrible. No. He falls flat on his face, and he worships, saying, you know, the Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, how whose reaction would that be in this room if everything was taken away right now? It would not be my reaction. I can promise you that. Because I'm human. 
and I would not say that's necessarily wrong. It's it's good that you have feelings and you care about those things, but to be the complete opposite. And then in verse twenty two, it says he sinned not. He didn't sin. He went through this terrible trial, but he didn't sin. He didn't go, charge God foolishly. It, it just a great testimony of what kind of mentality we need to have during trials. And then, so we have that in mind, and then Job 2, verses 9 and 10, um, you know, his, his lovely wife comes to him and says, Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine, in- thine integrity? Curse God and die. And it's like, whoa. Okay, um, here is his better half, his supporter, the person that's supposed to be with him through thick and thin. And she's saying, just curse God and die. Get it over with. What kind of, that, I would say that is the opposite of what, complete opposite of what Job did. He said, nope, I'm going to praise God through this. And she's just like, curse God and die. Give up. You've lost everything anyways. What's there to live for? And then verse 10, um, I think this is the only argument that uh, a man has won uh, in, in the history of mankind. Uh, <laughs> verse 10, he says, But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we, receive it? Shall we not receive evil? And all this, again, and all this did not Job sin with his lips. So here he has his, has his better half, his supporter, like I said, the person that's got his back no matter what, or should have his back, and she's saying, you've lost it. There's nothing else to live, live in this life. There's nothing worth living anymore. Just curse God and die. But what is Job could have been like, yeah, you're right. This stinks. We lost everything. You know, I don't really like you because you're just telling me to curse God and die. You know, what kind, of, what kind of person is that? What kind of faith is that? No, he doesn't. He says, thou speakest, speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. The other night in our teen, in our teen class, we were reading, um, we're going through a book called uh, Navigating Your Teenage Years. And it's written by Morris Gleiser. He's spoken at South and Christian Camp multiple times He's impacted my life greatly. He was uh, impacted my mom's life even. And the uh, the lesson was about covetousness and uh, how I lost my train of thought. Um, you were there. Help me out. Um, just talking about how through these times, uh, we were just talking about it all the way here. Um, how was I going to? Anyway, try to backtrack a little bit. Being content. Yeah. What, what was that? Anyway, maybe I just need to move on. So, <laughs> curse God and die. But he said, oh, foolish. That's what it was. He's talking about in this chapter, uh, the chapter is called Things Have Wings. So, meaning, earthly things, they have wings. They're just, they're flighty. They're, they don't mean anything. They're vain. 
And if things become, they control you, then you're worthless. You, you, you have no worth. You, you've become so in, enveloped with, oh, I need, I need the next best thing. I need not one of them, not two of them. I, mean, I need all of them. And God, in this passage, I forget what the passage was, but he called, oh, it was um, the young rich man who was trying to get the inheritance from his brother. And he, he turned and he looked at this man. He said, you're, in, no, not this exactly, but you're a fool. And Brother Gleiser was talking about how in the beginning of the chapter, he's like, you know, there's things we look back on and, you know, are like, oh, that was so foolish. And we might grin, we might laugh. Like you know, he gave the example of holding a firework as long as you can and then like just throwing it in your hands. I, I doubt any of the women in here did that. Maybe some of the guys. I know I did it. And I just, yeah, even when we were sitting here talking about that, I was like, <laughs> I was like laughing. And I was like, that was so dumb. How easily I could have just blown a hole in my hand. And sometimes I had them go off in my hand. Um, but, like, how foolish. And, you know, we, we laugh about it because, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, ugh, boys will be boys, whatever. But when God says you're a fool, it's no joke. He's not messing around. He's not being like, you're just a fool. No, he means it. You're a fool. You're, a, you're an idiot. To think that that is more important. So, in this, this verse, I would kind of liken it to that. Thou speakest as one of those foolish women. You know, I, I would never look at Taylor and say, you're a fool. I would never do that. But when she is sitting here saying, curse God and die, she is challenging his God, our God. So yes, she is being foolish. So in that moment, him saying, you're speaking like a fool. I, I, I think that's right. And that's something that we don't need to take lightly. When God speaks up and says, you're a fool, oh, buddy, you better look out. Something's, something's, something's coming. So, he says, in, in the verse, at the end, just says, in all this, God, uh, Job did not sin with his lips. And it's just, again, a great testament of, my goodness, this man was put through uh, the worst of trials, losing all his family except his wife. I mean, he kind of wishes she was in the house with him. But it, it just, just this terrible, terrible situation. But what did he do? He got on his face and he worshiped. And he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. It just, it, it just leaves me in awe. So, back to the seven B's. Be joyful, be patient, be diligent, be faithful, be determined. And then... Uh, Next, we have be aware, verses 13 and 14. Be aware. Go ahead and turn to this passage. Okay. So, being aware. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So, the reason I'm saying be aware, understand the situation. God is not going to tempt you. It's your own flesh. It's Satan that is tempting you. Don't say, God, why am I going through this? It may not, it, he's, he's allowing it, but he's not making it happen. Does that make sense? He's not going to say, okay, I want to test him, so I'm going to put this right here. No, Satan's like, just like with Job, I want to test your 
most faithful servant. God allowed it. God didn't make those things happen. He just allowed them to happen. And that's why I'm saying be aware. God does not tempt you. God will not tempt you because he cannot be a part of any evil. Temptation is evil. God cannot be a part of that. It's very clear. God does not tempt you. You are tempted of your own lusts, your own fleshly desires. And Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So be aware that you, your own fleshly desires are the problem. Your heart is the problem. You are enticed or drawn to your own filthy desires. If your mind is on the things of this earth or worldly things, you will be drawn away from God. If your mind is focused on God, he will give you his perfect peace. Like Rebecca said earlier, peace. That's what God gives you, his perfect peace. You will be drawn to him. Like I said earlier, we can tell when we're not seeking God because we are drawn away from God. We are drawn towards things of this earth. When we are seeking God, what are we drawn to? God. We want to be with him. We want to have that relationship with him. So then, Isaiah 26, 3 says, That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. So if your mind is stayed on God, God will keep you in perfect peace. Now, that doesn't mean everything's going to be hunky-dory and you know, butterflies and roses. But in, in those hard times, he will keep you. You will have that peace. Okay, God's with me. I've got this. God's on my side. And if God's with me, who can stand against me? I can do this. Be aware that it, it, it is not God who's not going to, he's not going to tempt you. He's not going to make these things happen. Like I said, he, he will allow them. You know, he will allow trials to happen. Why? So you will grow all the way back to the beginning of, of the, the, these points so that you will grow. It's all for a reason. There's a reason for everything. So be aware. And then last B is be real. Um, there's this new social media um, outlet that I use because you know, it's kind of fun. It's called Be Real. And so at each point of the day, could be it's just random throughout the day. You'll get a notification. It's like you've got two minutes left to capture your Be Real. And what it is, you get your phone out, and you, it, all it shows you is your front-facing camera, and it takes a picture of what's in front and what's behind. So you, don't see, you can't see what your face looks like before it takes a picture. So if you're sitting there like this... Probably shouldn't take it. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, but it, it, it's that kind of concept that, okay, to be real, you have to take a picture in the next two minutes. So that way everybody knows you're being real. But putting in this, this concept <clears throat> of the Bible, be real with yourself. Verse 15 says, you know, after all this, then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Adam and Eve. Now, Satan was like, oh, God's lying to you. He, you know, you're not going to die. You're not going to die if you eat this fruit. And I think, truly, Adam and Eve thought that if they bit, bit into the fruit, they would die instantly. I believe that's what they thought. But Satan's like, oh, no, no. You know, he's, he's a smooth talker. He's charming. He's good with his words. He's the, the ultimate deceiver. 
He's like, no, no, you're not going to die instantly. Was he lying? No. They're going to die. But he, he didn't tell them the whole truth. So I liken it to that. Okay. Lust. Eve saw this fruit. Man, that looks really good. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. So lust, it's a thought. You're thinking on it. You're lusting after it. It's a thought. And when that thought hath conceived, it turns into an action. And the action is sin. The action was biting into the fruit. And then sin, when it is finished, ultimately, what happens after sin is done. It's run its course. Death. That is the punishment that we, that they put upon us, that we have to deal with because of sin. It all started with the, the temptation. The, hey, it's going to be okay. God's lying to you. The, oh, oh, the second guessing, being unwavering. It all started with that. Then it was a thought, okay? Man, that fruit looks really good. I mean, I, I know I have all the other trees that I can eat from, but this one fruit looks really good. You know, as me, as I'm, I'm like, I would have been like, eh, I got all these other fruits. I don't need this one. But then I'm like, okay, put myself in that position. It may, have, may not have been easy to withstand. You know, the Bible, you know, says what Satan was saying. And if he's as charming and as smooth talking as the Bible says he is, like, like Cody said, man, you look sharp. I, I'm, I feel like I'm going to buy a car from you right now. If somebody's dressed really well, yeah, you'll probably believe what they're going to say. You know, wow, they, they, they dress really nice, so they're probably a good, good person. He was putting on this facade that he was this person or this thing that he was not, and he was deceiving her. So you have to be real with yourself that it, you, you can't let your thoughts be taken over by sinful things. Take your thoughts captive. Keep them safe. Keep them secure. If you start thinking about things that are not good, try to think about something else. You know, there was a time when you know, I was battling with my thought life, and again, the director at Southland said, okay, I want you to memorize four or five verses, and I'm gonna, you're going to call those your trigger words, or trigger, trigger verses, so that when you start thinking about things, it's like pulling a trigger. You just say these verses, say these verses, say these verses. If you have those how how well do you think Satan's attack is going to be? How good do you think it's going to, how successful do you think it's going to be? It's not. If you start quoting scripture, those thoughts are going to go away. If you start listening to the good music, thoughts are going to go away. If you are fully putting yourself in good godly things, those thoughts aren't going to creep up on you. So, control your thought life and it, be real with yourself that this is this is what happens. When you are real with yourself, you realize that our flesh is the problem. It's not God. It's not necessarily us as a person. It's our flesh. We may have really good intentions when we're doing something. But like I said, our heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Our heart, we will deceive ourselves. And I've never understood that, but I've, I've been a part of it. I've deceived myself and been like, oh, I've prayed about it. You know, God's telling me what to do. No, and then I, I'm real with myself. I'm like, I really haven't prayed about it. I really haven't sought God about this. I deceived myself into, th- into thinking this is what God wanted for me. And it became very clear very quickly that it was not what God wanted me to be, what, where he wanted me to be. 
So you have to be real with yourself. Your flesh is the problem. Being drawn away leads to lust. Lust, when it is fully matured at, or at its peak, brings actions upon that lust, which is sin. And then sin ultimately leads to death. So not instantly, ultimately. Adam and Eve enticed, they were enticed, deceived, lusted, acted, or sinned, and then died. And again, not immediately, but the punishment was death eventually and separation from God. But praise God, Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, and we can have that relationship with him. Like I said earlier, to me, that's, that's the biggest thing about being saved, having that relationship. Just think to yourselves, if we didn't have that relationship with God, where would we be? We would be so lost, so lost. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have the fellowship, the camaraderie. We wouldn't have it. So it's good to have that relationship with Christ. So, in closing, the seven B's, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not gonna, there's not going to be a pop quiz or anything about this. So, because I was trying to quote them, and I was like, I don't remember all of them. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm the one teaching. So, number one, be joyful. Know that your trial, it, it, it's, it's for good. It's going to hurt. It's going to stretch you, but you're going to grow. Number two, be patient. Don't rush. Don't rush God. Be patient. Number three, be diligent. Like a like work project. Get after it. Get after it. <clears throat> be faithful. Don't waver. Don't change your mind all the time. Seek God. Next, be determined. Stand strong. Be aware of what, what, what's out there. The, the devil's trying to tempt you. It is tempting you. It is trying to get you away from God. It's not God. And then be real with yourself. You are the problem. Our flesh is the problem. Our heart is the problem. And God, in his grace and, his, and in his mercy, has given us ways to get away from those temptations. He's given us the Bible. He's given us good, godly music that we can listen to to fill our thoughts. I found myself listening. I love music. I don't know if y'all can tell that, but I, I love music. I could listen to music from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep. Just all the, all the time. I love music. And I think that's a great way, because you, you can still be productive. It's a great way to fill your mind with good, godly things. Or if you like spoken audio, podcasts. Podcasts are great if you listen to the right ones. Just fill your mind with good, godly things. Be real with yourself. Be prepared. God wants us to succeed. He doesn't want to see us fail. He doesn't want to see us struggling. And if we're struggling, what's the problem? It's, it's our own fault. If we're struggling, it's our own fault. It's our problem. He does not w- wish Ill, Ill on us, obviously. If he wished ill on us, his son would not have died on the cross for us. He wants that relationship. And like I said earlier, it's just one of those things that just leaves me in awe. He wants that relationship with me? I know my deepest, darkest secrets that some people don't even know about me. And he still wants a relationship with me? I can, I, I can almost assure you, if some of us knew certain things about other people, we wouldn't want to even talk to people. But God wants that. God wants that relationship with us. Trials, if there's one thing that you can keep tonight, trials are good. Trials are good. It's good to be uncomfortable. Trust God. He's got it. 
It's as simple as that. Trust God. He's got it. You have to be active, though. You can't just wait on the sidelines and just be like, all right, God, you got this. No, be active. Be active in your faith. We're done with the lesson, but I just wanted to use another example, somebody that I knew personally, as an example of a trial that I was closely involved with, but not necessarily because it wasn't a part of my family. Um, About just over five years ago, on a Sunday morning, a good good family of mine, uh, their father got a call saying that their son, their old, oldest son, and his family was in a car accident. And they said Matt didn't make it. Or they don't think Matt made it. That was their son. It was Matt, Carol Ann, and Asa. That was their, their probably two-year-old son at the time. Maybe even three. And it changed the whole outcome of that day. Like that. Um, turns out he was in the car by himself. They had forgotten their phones at the house, so he ran back to get his phones. It was like a five-minute drive away. He was on his way back, and he just never came back. So they're sitting there in the service, and his wife's like, you know, he, he should have been here already. Of course, she didn't have her phone, so she couldn't call him, couldn't reach out to him. So thankfully, her brother-in-law got in his car and kind of traced back the steps and found that his car had been just, I mean, totaled beyond almost recognition. And it was just like, what? I just saw him two weeks ago. I, I can't believe it. He was only 24, 25 at the time. He was serving in ministry. Just, I mean, one of my mentors, even though he was young I, and I was young, he was one of my mentors. I went to him for things. And it just, it just was mind-boggling. Lord, how would you let this happen? A man that is obviously working for you, doing your work on this earth. He could easily, he was, he was such a charismatic guy, super awesome guy. He could talk to anybody for hours and be best friends with anybody. He could literally be doing whatever he wanted. He had a side hustle where he would like buy things and then resell them. He could be a salesman easily, make hundreds of thousands of dollars. But no, he was serving in the ministry. And it, God chose to take his life and it was like, how, how is this going to, why is this going to happen? Anyway, um, people that were close by him said that you know, he was coming up on a curve and he didn't turn, no brake lights, nothing. Just went, hit a culvert and flipped the car three times. And they're like, that doesn't make any sense. Nothing made sense. How, why it happened? And why didn't he hit his brakes? Why didn't he try to turn? It wasn't rainy. It's just, it's just unexplainable. So anyway, all this happens. Have the funeral and everything. And not once did I hear his wife say, this is terrible. Why did God put me in this position? Because now here she is. She's with an evangelistic team. She's got a F-350 that's been pulling the camper trailer. She's not going to drive that thing. She, she's stuck, if you will. But there was no, like, oh, man, this is, this is terrible. Why did God do this? When she found out that he, he passed away, she was at her parents' house. They were in, <clears throat> it was, I think, uh, in the Huntsville, Alabama region. She just went to the piano and just started playing and singing. That was her first reaction. Just 
played and sang, worshiped, praised God. And I just, <clears throat> just like Job, what a testimony. She just had the love of her life ripped away from her. And instead, instead of just being like, God, I can't stand you. I hate you. Why did you let that happen? No. She went to the piano and she played and praised God. And his son still remembers him, even though he was very young. He remembers his dad. Very, very, very vaguely, but he remembers him. And I remember on the day of his funeral, <clears throat> she got up there and she sang with the choir that sang a number. I, <laughs> I could barely keep it together. I don't know how she did it. And she sang the whole thing, the whole song. And it's just, what a testimony. What a testimony. That she, she was with God. She was, had that relationship with God. So when the hardest trial that she ever has, had ever faced at that time, she could praise God in the midst of it. I would say, right. That, I would say losing your, your partner is probably going to be one of the, would be one of the hardest trials anybody could face on this earth. And for her to be able to praise and worship, and still, she is still serving God. She still traveled on that team as a single mother for three more years. Raised her son, and now she's remarried, and they, ha- they have a child now. But she stuck with it. She didn't say, well, when my contract's up, I'm done. She stuck with it. And just, what, what a testimony. So, seven Bs, I hope this is encouragement. Um, just be real with yourself. Stay steadfast. Trust God. He's got it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for allowing us to be here tonight, Lord. Thank you for allowing me to speak, giving me the words to say. Um, Lord, I'm just, I'm humbled um, that I had this opportunity. Lord, I'm humbled to read the testimony of Job and talk about the testimony of Carol Ann and what easily could have been just a time where they just turned their back turned their back on you and gave up, cursed you and died, but they didn't. They chose to praise and worship you in the hardest times of their life. Lord, help that help that to be our mentality, help that to be our will, that that to be our want when we are faced with trials, Lord. Lord, just help us to have a good night. Keep everyone safe on the roads as they go home in this rain. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for giving your son uh, to come to this earth and die for us so that we can have that relationship with you. Lord, I just, uh, again, I'm just so humbled, and I thank you. I pray all these things in your name. Amen.